is a Woodside Church podcast. Fantastic. Good morning to you. Great to have a chance to once again uh, share God's word with you. Um, as has been introduced, my name is Martin. If I haven't a chance to say hi to you, it's great to have uh, a chance to connect with one another. We've had a good morning so far, haven't we, as God's really been with us. Uh, and I believe God has so much to say to us as we share together. Now, one thing, I want to do something a little bit different uh, this week, that if it goes well, we may continue doing it. So it's up to you, okay? If you don't like the idea, then we don't need to do it. But I think you'll like it. One of the things that's interesting when we share together on a Sunday morning, particularly from the preach, but not, not, not exclusively from the preach, anything that God may say on, on a moment on a Sunday morning, is we can then go home and then uh, we, we, we don't really know what happens next. We don't know how, how the Word of God has, has impacted our lives. We don't know how that's been outworked in, in, in different members of the family. Uh, and Jesus is very clear about when we hear the Word of God, we put it into practice. And so we want to create just a, an opportunity. On most Sundays, it may be every Sunday, where we say, well, ha- had, have things gone since the previous week? Uh, so last week, we looked at the beginning of Nehemiah, and we're, and we're, we're picking that up in a, in a minute. But the week before, because we haven't done this before, is we looked at community groups, small groups, as Debbie's been talking about, and how, and how those groups are central to how we express community life and how God wants to work in those. And one of the things we talked about, if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, is that we are encouraging people and really feeling God lead us in starting small, small groups, like two or three, four or five people, rather than larger settings that maybe we've been familiar with. And I heard of a story of, uh, of someone who has been doing this with some others, and I wanted to give a chance for them to share uh, a little bit about what God's been doing before we go on to the next part of what we're going to be looking at. So this is actually from two weeks ago, if that makes sense, um, and then we're going to be picking things up from Nehemiah. So Ruth Byfield. Would you come and join me? Would you like to welcome Ruth? We have this mic, Tim. You got some bullet points. Yeah, I realise this could be fatal, Uh, uh, but I think it's important. You did think it'd be dangerous. I did. I did. And it is. Go for it. Yeah, I'm going to. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. You're a lovely bunch. Have you finished? No, no, you're okay, you're okay. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so um, Martin asked me to talk about something that um, I've been part of over the past few weeks. I'm just so excited about what God's doing. I absolutely agree with Rich. You must get into Nehemiah. It's all there, and it's fantastic. So that's my bit of thing. So we're talking about groups as well as the advertised groups that are out there um, about how little groups are springing up all over the place, groups of people who are are meeting. And I know there's lots of them about. I heard about one even yesterday where, which uh, another little group that's meeting that we might not all know about, but that God's bringing people together for the purpose of rebuilding his church. So, On uh, a few Sundays back, I can't remember how many Sundays, it was quite a few Sundays back actually, when we first started gathering together as a group uh, in the church, um, I got chatting with um, Mary and Sheila after church over coffee and uh, we were talking about the Holy Spirit and um, they were asking me lots of questions 
And so we, uh, we chatted away, and then we realised that really it was time to move out of the building. And uh, <laughs> so I said, well, why don't you come round and have a cup of tea with me one day? So they said, oh, yeah, that would be really good. So I was quite excited about that. So I asked them round. Now, I need to tell you one more thing, because I want to put all of what God's done in this, because he's been amazing. When I first moved into the bungalow I live in, there's a bus stop at the top of my drive, where the number five bus stops. And God spoke to me, this was three years ago, I'm sharing this because some of you have had prophetic words over you that as yet you haven't seen come to pass about gatherings of people and people in your neighbourhood coming to know Jesus. So the number five bus stops at the top of my drive. And this was three years ago that that God um, spoke to me clearly about this. So Mary and Sheila looked at each other and Mary said to Sheila, Oh, yeah, that's great. She said, we can go there because we can get the number five bus. And I thought, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Wow, that's amazing. So anyway, they turned up uh, on the number five bus and we sat and chatted together, looked into the word about baptism and the Holy Spirit, prayed together. They got wonderfully baptized in the Holy Spirit by God. It was amazing and that was incredible. But we so enjoyed each other's company. We thought, do you know what? We want to do this more regularly. So we decided that we'd meet the next week. But Mary said, why don't you come up to my house next week? So I thought, oh, that's a really good idea. Now, Mary lives in the estate opposite. By the way, I've asked her whether I can share this. She's beaming away at the back there. So she knows what I'm going to say. None of this is a secret. So we... um, So... We, we all started to meet at Mary's, but what you need to know about Mary is, and Sheila, is that they've all got, they've got this immensely big heart for their neighbourhood. They, they're longing to see their neighbours saved. And I was reminded of how many years we at Woodside have walked around Elms Farm and prayed. We've prayed, we've prophesied, we've picked litter up, we've met people, we've taught people. And I I felt God saying, ah, yeah, now I'm going to do something really big here. So Mary and Sheila, we started meeting and sharing the word and praying for each other. And I'm just going to tell you a couple, uh, tell you something else that happened. So one morning, Friday morning, I arrive and Mary's set out an extra seat and I'm like I said to Mary oh you know you've set out an extra seat and she said yes well I woke up this morning and God told me that there'd be a fifth person that came Hmm. and I'm like right okay that's good anyway we started she made her coffee and she makes good cakes does Mary so we've always got plenty of cakes there so we had cake and coffee And uh, sure enough, the doorbell rings and the fifth person came. And we spent a lovely, lovely morning with this wonderful, beautiful lady chatting to her and praying together at the end. And it was just a wonderful time. Now, it's just that's just a demonstration, really, of how a small group who isn't isn't advertised, isn't planned, but is growing in the things that God's God's doing at this time, because it's all about church out there, not church here on a Sunday morning. And um, I'm just going to take a bit of poetic license here and preach the sermon. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Uh, and so this morning, when I was praying about it, and I was taken in, I, I've been reading Nehemiah, by the way, Richard, tick in the box. So uh, that's okay. And 
I was thinking about chapter 3. I don't know what Martin's going to preach on today, but anyway. And I was thinking about how all the different people gathered together to build at the different gates. And I thought that what's happening here amongst these little tiny groups that are meeting, and the bigger groups as well, is that there's a building going on that's reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. And this, I've just got two scriptures uh, I have to read. And this is what God says to us. And I'm going to prophesy this over us, church. I'm going to prophesy this over us this morning. Let us arise and build. Let us put our hands to the good work. The enemies may come and mock us, but we will not believe them. The God of heaven will grant us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Amen. Well done. That's perfect. (laughs) Wonderful, Ruth. So good to hear the life that is happening in our groups and wanted that to be shared because we believe that God's going to initiate and provoke more of these smaller groups. And maybe God's speaking to people in this room. I even heard of one yesterday that's been considered. Just go for it. Let us know what you're doing, then we can support you. But if you've got some people you want to gather with, they may be believers, maybe unbelievers, go for it. Go for it. Well done, Diane. Go and see Diane afterwards. Diane and some others are doing a work in Oak Hill uh, resident home. And so, yeah, fantastic. Is there anyone else wants to say anything at this moment just before I go in? Uh, I don't mind, honestly. It's good. It's good. It's life. It's life. Yeah, wonderful. Okay. To today's preach. We are doing part two of uh, something we did part one last week, uh, where we're looking at the book of, of Nehemiah, which is in the Old Testament, which some people have mentioned already. And the title for this series is called A Time to Rebuild. A Time to Rebuild. We are engaged together in a building project like never before. In fact, we've been involved in physical building projects, haven't we, with, as a family, over many years, many times. But now it's like God's leading us into a unique moment uh, where we're building one another together. We're building stronger together. uh, And Nehemiah, we feel the story of Nehemiah is a great parallel actually to our story today, our story this season. They had experienced a period of isolation. Nehemiah and the people of God, many were were in exile. And Nehemiah was in a desperate who uh, had desperate concern for the sake of the people of God. And Jerusalem, the, the physical walls around Jerusalem, had crumbled and needed to be repaired and rebuilt. And, uh, but they were experiencing this loss of community, lack of connection, this isolation. And so the parallels that Nehemiah and the other believers went through are so helpful for us today. We learned last week that Nehemiah... Uh, was reminded of his identity with the people of God. It caught him or or led him to a a time of prayer and intercession when he began with declaring that God is enough, or the way we we, we used to sort of describe it last night for us is that Jesus is enough for whatever we're facing. 
His prayer was full of a whole mixture of things, of proclaiming promises, repentance, recognizing that he's wrong and how he drifted from God and doubted him and asking God for success. And uh, this was actually in the autumn. So last week was in the autumn. Today we're in the spring, the following spring. So we've done an awful lot uh, of time transition over the last week as we follow the story. So Nehemiah, in the autumn time, uh, was in this moment of desperately crying out to God, would he move and would he help him and others to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, rebuild the people of God, as it were. And then we're in the spring now as we pick up the story in chapter 2. And I'd love us to look at this together. Now, I'm going I'm to, as we often do here, I'm going to retell the story and just pull out a few verses because it's a lot more interesting sometimes when we hear it as a story and we begin to get into the narrative as a story. The interesting thing about Nehemiah is it's written by Nehemiah. It's his book. He writes it very, very personally and very honestly. And we begin with him saying it's now the spring. And he describes his job, which is working for the king. In fact, he was serving wine to the king. That was, that was one of his jobs. A job he'd had for many, many years. Something that gave him a real privileged position and access to the king of the land. Nehemiah clearly was a, a fairly upbeat person. A fairly positive person. A bit like Ruth Byfield, if you know what I mean. Yeah? I tell you for why, because one day when Nehemiah went in to serve wine to the king, the king turned to him and noticed that Nehemiah was downcast. He was not his usual self. In fact, the way Nehemiah writes it, he says this, I had never before appeared sad in front of the king. That's from the early part of chapter 2. Nehemiah was experiencing a time when his mental health, to put it in current terms, his mental health wasn't good. It's really helpful, isn't it? So we can often think of Nehemiah as this great leader. This is just Nehemiah the man. This is an ordinary person, like you and I. He's been calling out to God for four months, persistently in prayer. And now the whole predicament is overwhelming him. So much so that as he goes to the king, the king realizes that he's downcast. And he says, I've never before appeared sad in front of the king. So much that the king said, why are you so sad, Nehemiah? Never before had he felt like this. I was chatting with a a pastor friend over August. And and he's one of those uh, leaders that I go to when I'm feeling a bit down. (laughs) You know, if if I've got some questions, he's been partial ministries for many, many years. He's a lovely man, great experience. And he phoned me over the summer and said to me, Martin, never before have I felt like this. It was a a role reversal where I'm thinking, hang on a minute, normally I'm coming to you for advice and that he was coming to me for advice. And we talked and, uh, and it seemed helpful when we replayed the last 18 months and we recognised the things that he'd lost, not as a pastor, but as a normal person. And we talked about he hadn't seen his grandchildren and they live across the other side of the globe and he won't see them for another few years. And so the loss is not, it's not just that like he hasn't been to see them locally, he hasn't seen them 
for a long time and it will be a long time until he sees them again. Never before have I felt like this. So often when we, even believers, we can fall into this trap, can't we, where we believe God's spoken to us, we pray earnestly, and we feel like we've got to keep up this energy level of faith, which sometimes can detach from how we're really feeling. So point number one is how you're feeling. How you're feeling. Really interesting what Marion led us in. Uh, when she reflected on, on things that God had led her in. What was the phrase? Storm battered. Storm battered. Who doesn't feel a bit storm battered today? But the promise was to Isaiah and the promise to us is I will rebuild you. So firstly, we just need to recognize that for some of you, and I'm looking around the room, I, I think in some of you today, this is your first time back. And even that can be a, a real challenge I appreciate uh, and you may be feeling I've never quite felt like this before well you're in good company because Nehemiah felt that and this is why this book is so helpful because because there are parallels that apply to our lives and so often we rush to the to the need and the, the rebuilding and the, the people gather and, and if you know the story it's a great story of success with an amazing celebration at the end but let's not miss the honesty the interesting thing is the catalyst for change happening in Nehemiah's life was this moment of honesty. This moment of saying, this is how I'm really feeling. So what we find is actually this was the moment when the king got involved and the story went on a far more positive line. This is, this is the moment. Four months of prayer, but this is the moment. But it was the spark, the catalyst was this wonderful honesty when the king said, why are you looking so sad? So point number one is, how are you doing? And point number two is, like Nehemiah, we need to speak up and say, this is how I'm really feeling. This is how I'm feeling. So today, I ask you, if you are feeling storm-battered in any shape, tell someone. Tell someone. Because like Nehemiah, it could be the catalyst to you finding a way out of that place and discovering that God wants to rebuild you. Amen? So the story continues. Uh, when Nehemiah said, well, actually, I, I'm really sad because my people are, are in a desperate situation, he was terrified of the king. He, you're, not supposed to be, you're not supposed to bring your own troubles to the king. But thankfully, the king was, uh, was incredibly helpful, said, and even asked, how can I help? And uh, we hear that Nehemiah uh, gave, a, a, as well as the four months of consistent prayer, uh, we're told... Uh, in verse 4 that he says with a prayer to the God of heaven I replied in other words he was in that moment when you do like a quick prayer to God in the moment you know arrow prayers sometimes people call them which I love it that Nehemiah was a consistent prayer but also he was a guy in the moment said Lord you better help me now yeah I love that so so both is valid we need to be persistently praying but also often I'm in the moment said Lord if you don't help me now I don't know what I'm going to do I love that and then the, the reply was positive from the king. In fact, Nehemiah got on a bit of a roll and he said, well, I need this. I need help to get through this moment and this, and this junction and get past these people. And I need letters of permission. And all these things came out of this conversation, which I love Nehemiah's boldness. When, when the gate had been opened, as it were, he really stepped in and asked all these lists of the king. And the king was happy to support him. 
He granted all his requests. So Nehemiah began his journey back to Jerusalem. On the way back, there were some difficult hurdles. He bumped into some characters called Sam Ballot and Horonite and Tobiah. They are characters that we will hear about as we go through the story. We could spend a lot of time at this moment, but we'll wait because this is opposition that Nehemiah experiences, even on the journey back to Jerusalem. These are people that were threatened politically. Who is this guy coming in, thinks he can be the answer to the problem we've got in Jerusalem? But more will come. But thankfully, he had permission letters from the king, and so he was able to get back to Jerusalem. And so we catch up with the story where Nehemiah has arrived back in Jerusalem, and he does something interesting. He wants to see for himself the damage. He wants to see how bad is the situation. I've heard stories, but how bad is it? So he doesn't go to the Jewish leaders there. He decides at night to go with a few others and go and slip out and see the, the details for himself, which is what he does. He doesn't tell anyone his plans. He does this as a sort of covert, let's face the facts analysis. Let's see what the state of the walls of Jerusalem are. He actually goes on his donkey to enable him to get to where he's got to and to, to go around the area. But he discovers that the walls are so damaged that even his donkey cannot get through the rubble. We're told this in verse 14. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. It was far worse than he expected it to be. That's the point. We know those situations, don't we, when you have a challenge and you, and you think, well, this is a huge challenge, but it begins to be even worse than we thought it was going to be. I was uh, talking to Ollie Hearn, who leads the youth work here. And uh, Ollie, if some of you know, uh, has been part of the staff team here. He was our training youth leader. And then uh, a few months back, uh, Hannah Clements, who was the youth leader, uh, moved on to another job. And so we asked Ollie, would you take on the leadership? And I remember those early conversations where we said, but we realise this is a big ask because Jerusalem needs to be rebuilt. We didn't actually say it in those terms. That was a near marketing We said, we realise that we are starting from ground zero here. And so, bless him, he took on the challenge. But the amazing thing is, is it got worse before it got better. And because uh, the lovely Luchet, if you know Luchet, she was one of the youth team. She's moved on to Cambridgeshire. And so Luchet's moved on. Other people in the team have moved on doing other things in the church. And so what he started with is what, he's got now, what he got a few weeks later was less than he started with. Now things are beginning to, to, to build. But, you know, it was worse than he thought it was going to be. It's like uh, Nehemiah discovered. There was rubble everywhere. But then we see an interesting moment when I becomes we. When when Nehemiah, feeling stirred about this, becomes it's more us together. See in verse 17, if we can have that on the screen, please. It says this, but now I said to them, that's to the Jewish leaders, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how gracious, how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. 
reminds me of that famous John F. Kennedy inaugural address. You, many of you would have heard this when he said, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That's the moment that's happened with Nehemiah and the other Jewish leaders. I lo- and I love their response. But mixed in there was this phrase, the gracious hand of God has been upon me about my conversation with the king. Even when he considered the challenge, even when he asked the others around, join me in this challenge, he reminded them of God's gracious hand. Uh, it's already been mentioned on the, on the news uh, that Debbie shared about three people getting saved last weekend. I was talking to Dawn this morning. When I've got a challenge, I look for things that I can remind myself that God is with me. I, I, I think of God's promises and I, see, I ask myself, what is God doing amongst me? Uh, and, and then, I, and then and I, if they feed my faith and they, they give perspective and they remind me what God can do. Remarkable. Last weekend, three people were saved amongst us. It's a wonderful story. So what can we learn from this story? The first is this. There's rubble everywhere. There's rubble everywhere. I was with, a, with the team this week. Ruth was there, others were there. We were going around, uh, and we have a, a staff prayer meeting on a Tuesday morning. We do pray, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, and uh, we just went round, round the team and said, just give us a feel how things are going. And they're in good heart. They're in good faith. And they're doing brilliant. But there was a moment of honesty as well. They we said, well, we've got gaps here and gaps here. And me gaps have got gaps. You know, it was, you know, in terms of rotors. You know, it was like, okay, okay. It's, it's this, we're, we've never been here before, you know. Uh, and, and, it, and, it's, it's, and they're doing brilliant. And it's, it's not all bad. I don't want to give you that. But there was a sense, you know, our donkey can't get through this rubble. Yeah? Yeah. You know, once we get into the challenge, we think this is, this is, this is interesting. And of course, my experience has tended to be over the years where you draw on something you've, you've experienced before and say, well, in this situation before, God did this. Well, I've never led a, a, a team and a church through a pandemic. You know, it's like we've never been here before, uh, which is actually quite freeing as well in a funny story. So well, only God can do this. The first thing is recognize there's rubble everywhere. There's also a personal recognition. There may be challenges in your life. It may be a bit like Ollie. He thought it was this challenge and then discovered early on the challenge was far harder than he thought. You may be experiencing, similar to what we read at the beginning, or saw from Nehemiah's story that the result has made you incredibly sad, incredibly downcast. Let's be honest with one another on that. The rubble is everywhere. Secondly, the gracious hand was upon them and is upon us. Amen? God is doing some wonderful things amongst us. It's, it's phenomenal to hear about this group that, that has started. There's others as well. There may be others that will come out of this this morning. Great to see that people have been saved. Last weekend, last Sunday evening, um, Josh and Abby, who are probably upstairs leading one of our youth teams, isn't that amazing? Last Sunday evening, they were leading the 20s. And uh, they're a great couple. Do you know Josh and Abby? They're going out. That's why I say Josh and Abby. But I really know what's going on in the... So it's Josh Boland. 
Um, and uh, last Sunday evening, we gathered a number of 20s here. In fact, one of the things that Josh feels inspired to do, which is, I think is a wonderful thing, is, is connect and serve and link up with some of the other churches across the town because we're all, we're all trying to rebuild together. Uh, and so I think, I don't know, 40, 50, 20s last, last week, most of them were from, or many of them were from, from Woodside. Uh, and you think, this is wonderful, uh, the, what, what community has been created. Uh, and so, yeah, the gracious hand upon, was upon them and is upon us. Thirdly, the people's response has to be our response in the end. They, they said, yes, we want to be part of the solution. They said, yes, let me go to the sign-up sheet and sign my name or whatever it might be. And I realise for some of you, this may be your first Sunday, so we, we get that. And so please don't feel a, 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 an unfair pressure. We're just thrilled to be back together. But at some point, when you feel ready, we'd love to find how we're going to rebuild together. And so that's something for us to consider. And fourthly, I'd like to leave the last word goes to Nehemiah, and then we'll pray for a moment. This is good, I've done well. Look at that. I can't preach in 20 minutes, is it? <laughs> this is what Nehemiah said. The last couple of verses, I just, I just love this. So in light of everything, I've just told you of his story. His mental health, conversation with the king, his arrow prayers, a little opposition on the way, but God was with him. Going and discovering the problem was worse than he thought it was going to be. Asking the leaders, come on, we can do this. Getting their response. This is what he said at the end. But when Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. Contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebuilding against the king, they asked? I replied, said Nehemiah, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. We, the God of heaven, will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. As we got to last week, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for whatever you're facing today. The testimonies in our worship, I almost felt like I didn't need to preach. It was like, that's the bit that God wants to say. If you're struggling with mental health, if you're struggling with a change, if it's worse than you thought it was going to be, Jesus is enough. We've had wonderful testimonies of people that will walk with God longer than I have. And even that wonderful song that Peter led us on the keyboard was written 300 years ago. We have to draw from the history in our faith sometimes and realize that we are not just a moment in time. We're part of a legacy that goes back even beyond Christ to the beginning of time. We're standing on that legacy. We're standing on faithfulness through the generations so we can say the God of heaven will help us succeed. Amen? Let's stand together, shall we? Let's just pray. I particularly want to pray for anyone who's feeling any uh, feeling struggling with their mental health. I just want. What I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everyone's eyes to be closed. Uh, and but I, I, I do this not for me. I do this 
because I, I think it's important you acknowledge it to God and then I will encourage you to speak to one someone else. But I'd love us, with all our eyes closed, if you know that you're struggling emotionally with your mental health, I'd love you just to raise your hands now and, and then I want to pray for us. Your eyes closed. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Let's pray. You can put your hands down. God, we thank you that your word encourages us to be honest and open before one another and most importantly before you. Thank you, God, for Nehemiah's example. Uh, he wrote these words. He said that he didn't try and make it sound better than it was when he reflected on the story. He said, I was so sad. I've never been like this before. But I thank you that even in society around us, we've been encouraged to be more honest about our mental health. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing to be affirmed. But Lord, it also, uh, it, it makes us more aware of how many of us are struggling at this time. God, we thank you that's not the end of the story. I pray for those that have responded, uh, that recognise that they're, they're emotionally not in the best place. And maybe they're, they're saying, I've never felt like this before. But we pray for them now. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you minister to them as they look to you first and foremost, but also look to brothers and sisters to be part of the solution. But we pray that as for Nehemiah, that the open, the, the being open about his circumstance and how he felt became the catalyst, the moment when things began to change. I pray for that for my brothers and sisters today. That they would know uh, of your life and your peace and your hope and your love that would bring them through this moment of, of, uh, of uh, uh, struggling with mental health to a place of positivity, to a place of being filled with who you are and all that you have for them. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you were described as the helper, the one who comes alongside. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you come alongside all those that need to be encouraged today. And we pray that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, that you would enable them to be strong in you. That Not that they would be strong in themselves, but they would be strong in you. Because God, you're the God who will help us all succeed. This isn't about us, it's about you. We thank you, God, that we can say, Jesus, you are enough for whatever we're facing. Even if we discover that, that there's more rubble than we thought there was going to be. The problem's worse than we thought. Jesus, we thank you that you are enough. And we pray, God, as we go from this place, we would go full of hope in you, realising that you are with us, and that the God... Nehemiah's God is the God that will give us success. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.